Utah's best sports radio is on the Zone Sports Network. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... And it's time to kick off Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a big show. Is everybody ready? Monday, Monday. Just another manic Monday. Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It's The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz playoffs underway. We've got a big day on the big show. We're hoping to check in with Aaron Falk coming up uh, at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Of course, Aaron Falk of UtahJazz.com is down at the bubble. I'm assuming he was at the game today uh, covering it, and uh, we'll get his thoughts on what he saw. What a performance from Donovan Mitchell. Too bad it came in uh, in, the, in a losing effort. The third highest scoring output in NBA playoff history. Uh, up there with names like Michael Jordan and Elgin Baylor. Pretty remarkable. Too bad, of course, uh, that it came in a losing effort. Sam Amick will be on the show coming up top of the 5 o'clock hour. Sam usually joins us on Thursdays. He's going uh, to jump on with us today because Sam actually headed on down to the bubble there in Orlando. So we had to move some things around. And uh, I know Sam was watching, obviously, the the playoff action today because he was tweeting about it quite a bit. So very very eager to get Sam's thoughts. That'll come up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour, so make sure and stay tuned for that. Of course, you can follow all of Sam's work uh, online at The Athletic. We will talk some uh, college football as well. Things are pretty wild in Big Ten country. Pretty interesting weekend as uh, players signing petitions. And <laughs> yeah, what uh, last check, the Justin Fields uh, created a petition, the Ohio State quarterback in uh, Austin. I think it had something like 215,000 signatures, which is pretty amazing. So, uh, of course, we'll talk about the uh, latest with uh, college uh, college football as well. But, of course, uh, Jordan, Gordon Monson joins us now. And, Gordon, you know, we'll be dominated today by NBA playoff talk. And that was uh, certainly a heck of a game. Uh, did not come up in the Jazz' favor. Historic performance from Donovan Mitchell. I wonder about that. Is the fact that they not they did not win? How much does that take the shine off of fifty-seven from Donovan? In your opinion, Gordon? You know, Jake, I've been thinking about that, and it's I it, I don't think it does. I mean, it would have been spectacular if he had done if he had done all that and, and the Jazz had won. The fact that they didn't win, I, I, I think uh, just everybody who watched that game said, okay, this kid, this kid's better than, than you might have thought. I mean, what kind of player does that kind of thing in the playoffs? Well, apparently not very many. Who's ahead of them? Jordan and uh, Elgin, Elgin Baylor. Baylor. Yep. I mean, that, that, that was a remarkable, remarkable performance. And the thing that was – that really stands out to me was the fact that it wasn't selfish. You know, it, it, it did that feel selfish to you? It wasn't like a guy who was out there trying to get his. You know, he had the nine rebounds and the seven assists, and he was he was doing exactly what his team needed him to do. And the fact that they didn't win, uh, I mean, 
I know that was an unfortunate moment when he got the eight-second violation, but there were other turnovers and other mistakes that contributed greatly to the loss. I don't think it tarnishes it that much, and I don't think I'm looking at it through any kind of you know, bright eyes, bright eyed, or a bushy tailed kind of perspective. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just amazed at what I watched him do today. So you used the word selfish. I, I do think he was being selfish at the end of the game. But is feeding the hot hand selfish? You just sparked kind of a, a, a thought into my brain. Because actually, the one time down the stretch when he was unselfish was a pass to Royce O'Neal, which got Royce a, a really good shot. I actually right. have no problem with Donovan passing that ball, and Royce just didn't knock it down. But the one time he was unselfish was kind of <laughs> questionable because he was playing so well. I mean, you want him to be selfish at that point, right? It's like well, it's not- like did Michael Jordan play selfishly uh, at times for the Bulls in the playoffs? Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> but when you've got it going – you know, go ahead and be selfish out there, Donovan. I mean, you know, Torrey Craig is a fine defensive player, Gordon. We've talked a lot about him in this matchup, and he played Donovan really tough in the first half. But when not even Torrey Craig can stop Donovan, he's basically scoring at will, Will, go out there and be selfish, man. Go go out there and, and take the bull by the horn, so to speak. That's That's Donovan's most important role on this team. I've always been a believer in uh, seeking out the heat. If there's someone on the floor who is feeling it, it doesn't matter who you put on him, you know? We know that uh, at times Donovan Mitchell has struggled against uh, the guard line that the Nuggets throw up against him, and but it didn't matter today. And I thought that throughout. I mean, yeah, he missed some shots, but I thought he was going to score no matter who they put on him. Yeah. And that's the way it goes in the game sometimes. And there, I'm not even sure there's any explaining it. When a guy gets uh, in a groove like that and just is feeling it, I've, I always I get frustrated when I watch games when I see somebody get hot and then his teammates go away from right. him. Right, right. That, that makes no sense to me because, because when you get like that, you're like that. And you should ride it as long as you can. So I don't have any problem with him taking a bunch of shots with the way he was playing. And and really, when you look around on the floor and see what the options are, uh, I'm not sure that, that that claim would hold up anyway. Our friend Ute Chasta Trailer uh, reminds us, he said MJ's 63-point effort was in a loss too, and then adds the Lakers did win Baylor's 61-point performance. So it was a 63-pointer. That was against the Celtics, right? Right, uh-huh. Back and, in the and 80s, that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember this clear as – I can't remember what I did yesterday, Jake, but I remember Larry Bird's comments about Jordan after that. And, I mean, he, he just said, this guy is unbelievable. This guy is a great, great player. I think he might have said he was the best player. And uh, I, I, rather than focusing on the loss, I think what it did was it elevated Jordan for what the future, uh, the potential future could be. And uh, maybe it can have that effect on Donovan as well. I don't know if the Jazz are going to win this series. They're, most every expert I've seen is picking the Nuggets to win. But if Donovan Mitchell can lift his game up to a, to a level where he is leading his team and, and, and just performing at that level or anywhere near that level, uh, I, I think this series will be memorable for the Jazz and worthwhile for them as well as they, as they forge ahead.
You know, I think the most uh, impressive part about the 57 points, Gordon, is he did it on 33 shots. I mean, 19 yeah. of 33 is really great. So I, I did a little Googling here. And Michael Jordan, to get his 63, I mean, this is amazing too, but it took Michael 41 shots to get there. He was 22 of 41. And he played uh, 53 minutes in that game, by the way. I went to yeah. double overtime. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've, had my, I've had my thoughts about Donovan Mitchell. I, there have been times when I think, wow, he's really, really going to be good. And there have been other times when I thought he's going to be good. And when you see this kind of performance and how measured it was on his part throughout the game, uh, it wasn't like he was just out there jacking up whatever whatever he could. Uh, that that wasn't my impression. That doesn't that wasn't what I was thinking when I was watching him play. I was thinking this guy is doing what he needs to do is lift his team up. And that uh, I, I bet I bet if you talk to his teammates, they weren't over there complaining about what Donovan was doing. They were over there going, <laughs> get him the ball. Well, and he went yeah. 13 of 13 from the line. So he was getting to the line. 13 free throws for Donovan. This is something he's been working on. He doesn't talk about it a ton, but going to the ball, uh, going to the uh, the free throw line more, it's been something he's been working on throughout his entire career. If he can get to the line 13 times a night, that's that's awesome. I mean, that's well, that's had, a great way to get production uh, easily and consistently. If he had uh, done that kind of been that kind of uh, aggressive during the season, then you would have been doing an incriminating audio for me. <laughs> Because I said he'd score 26 a game, and he ended up at 26. Well, you said 28 and then came down, no. but yeah. <laughs> oh, no, but you agreed. But the point is that, yeah, getting to the free throw line, that's the way great scorers score. By the way, that night against the uh, the Bulls where the Celtics won, Larry Legend had 36, 12, and 8. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin McHale had 27, 15, and 6 blocks. And your boy Danny Ainge uh, had 24 on 8 of 13 shooting and had uh, three steals and five assists. And that's what it took to overtake Jordan's great performance. Dennis Johnson had 15, Parrish had 13, and uh, Bill Walton had 10 coming in off the bench. Rick Carlisle played three scoreless minutes in that game. Well, he was cerebral. (laughs) He was over there figuring it all out. Not productive, but cerebral. (laughs) How do you think Donovan truly in his heart of hearts felt about what happened today? He didn't look particularly happy afterward, and nor should he. I mean, it's about winning. I get that. But this is a guy who is extremely driven. He's ambitious. He wants to be one of the best players in the league. And you and I have talked about it many times that you can do what you want to do during the regular season. But when you put up these kinds of performances in the playoffs, that's how you get people's attention. And he got it today. I think Donovan truly wants to win. I, I, I believe all of that. Sometimes that kind of talk can be become a little bit cliche. But I certainly believe that from Donovan Mitchell. I would guess he still left uh, the building this afternoon feeling pretty good. He played really well. I mean, he did. I, I bet he's really kicking himself about the eight-second thing. I bet oh, that's sticking in his craw, but I bet he's feeling all right. So just for our, our listeners who are unaware of what we're talking about there, with 146 left in regulation, the Jazz were up four, and Donovan had the ball, and he lollygagged? Well, I think he was being patient. You know, I think he was just gathering himself. He just lost focus. You know what I mean? That, that uh, used to be 10 seconds for you old-timers out there. Now it's eight seconds, but he got the whistle blown on him for a violation. 
The Jazz had an opportunity to take that lead to six or seven points. Who knows whether they would have done that or not. But instead, the Nuggets are going the other way, and Jamal Murray hits a three, and boom, it's a one-point game at that point. Yeah. That's that's difficult. That's that difficult. Yeah, I and and I wonder if anybody picked it up. I wonder if any of the coaches were over there waving their hands, like, get up the court, get up the <laughs> go, court. Go, you know? go, go. <laughs> yeah. It's not something that most people think about. No, I you know, I – you could see it, right? Donovan sizing up his move, you know, being patient, deciding which which, uh, which direction he's going to go, uh, and just lock tra- uh, lost track of time. Uh, David wants to join us. Let's get out to the the uh, T-Mobile special guest line. David Locke uh, making a, an appearance on the show. Hello, David. Great call today. Sorry. Sorry, I was enjoying the show. Uh, I just talked to somebody in the bubble, uh, and this is a case where by being remote broadcasting, uh, I, I guess we should apologize, but I just didn't know, and I don't know if TV knew either. Uh, on the eight-second call, Rudy Gobert grabs the rebound. Yoke comes down with it. Jokic knocks it out of bounds. It bounces inbounds and then proceeds to bounce out of bounds. So Donovan inbounds with 22 on the clock. Oh. Probably unaware of this. But with only right. six seconds, pretty big difference to get across the half line. So I don't think he was lollygagging. Um, I thought it was that he was trying to catch his breath. I think he has a mental clock inside of his head that tells him how long it is. And he went to that mental clock, but he was two seconds short because Rudy Gobert uh, had grabbed the rebound and it was tapped out of his hand. And, and I apologize that on radio we didn't have that. Uh, with a little bit of a, you know, uh, hey, we can't see shot clocks. We can't see things anymore. So there, I don't know how we should have, but we should have somehow had that. And we didn't because we can't see, um, you know, we're in an arena. We would have noticed that the shot clock was at 21.8 or something mm-hmm. rather than 24, right? And we don't have that view. So we didn't. I didn't have that. Um, but I think that's important to know that that's largely why. Um, And then talking to someone else, it's interesting because of the way, while it's quiet, there was a thought that the way the benches are seated with everybody spaced out, it might've been harder than usual to yell to Donovan if someone was aware of it. I don't know if anyone on the bench was aware of it, but had somebody been, because you're basically the equivalent of about eight rows back in the third row of seats, you're not as aware, you're not able to. Or if Quinn Snyder wanted to go talk to somebody, he's got to walk all the way back into one or two you know, rows back to go talk to someone. And so you're not, you don't have the same ability to communicate in the way you would in a regular game. What an what an interesting quirk, David. Uh, I mean, you, the the little things matter so much in the in games this close. That actually makes a, a ton of sense. And maybe if you know there there weren't the the social distancing or the masks or whatever, maybe that that communication could have been made. That's that's actually a, a fascinating thing to think about. That little minute detail actually had a tre- row, fact, yeah yeah had a tremendous he's on, impact. He's got a mask on. Yeah, yeah. So they can't yell anyway. Um, and the key to the whole thing is the ball off of Gobert when Jokic knocks it, bounces the first time inbounds. Mm. So the clock doesn't stop until the ball actually touches out of bounds, mm. which is then 
about two and a half seconds or so. I'll bet you, David, that not only did most fans not know that, I'll bet you most players wouldn't even be aware of it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, sure that the ball doesn't it doesn't clock doesn't stop till the ball hits the ground. I mean, it's intuitive in the sense you can save it, right? Um, so in that sense, you know it without realizing you know it. Uh, what I don't know is whether or not I can't think about it because we don't see it on the camera very often. Whether or not the shot clocks are the same in that arena as they are at home, mm-hmm. I'm assuming they are. Sorry, David, I was I was a little distracted thinking about the delicious pizza that we ate on Friday. Oh, well, that's fine. When, <laughs> when can we go back there? <laughs> yeah, what do you want to go back, buddy? Let's go back. Did you try that macaroni and cheese pizza? That was really something else. Oh, I didn't get that one. Oh, buddy. I yeah. I did decide though. I'm trying to stay in pretty good shape right now, and I'm a little, having a little bit of a midlife crisis athletically, um, so I'm trying to stay light. But I did think I should have uh, drowned my sorrows with a mudslide cookie on my way out of the Gateway location store. That was that was the last thought I had when I left. But I, I, I made a bad decision. I didn't go get one. I thought I might buy three. That's why I didn't get one. David, uh, my wife went down and brought back three pizzas and the wings. The wings are good, too. And uh, she uh, brought back some of those mudslide cookies. And I'm telling you right now, that thing was staring at me for two or three days. I finally did eat some of it, but my goodness. And the best cookie you've had. Perfect outside crisp, inside moisture, deep, dark chocolate with a chunk of a chocolate chip inside. It's perfect. Yeah. David, thanks for calling in. Uh, I think that's uh, crucial info when discussing that particular yeah. play because it was so pivotal. So thank you very much for, no. for uh, calling in and sharing with us uh, we will keep that in mind going forward. That explains so much. Okay. Thanks, buddy. See you guys. That's our friend David Locke. Uh, again, if, you, if you're just tuning in, that uh, brings some context to the eight-second violation where it bounced inbounds, then went out of bounds, costing them two seconds in that eight-second count. And likely Donovan, Donovan Mitchell, as David said right there, probably has that, that automatic clock in his head as he's regrouping coming up the floor like we've seen so much and, and gets that crucial call. That's uh, that's that's tough break right there, but certainly adds some context to what happened. All right, we'll get to more coming up next. Patrick Kinahan going to jump on the show, give us his thoughts about what we saw in Game 1. Coming up next right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. <laughs> This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Don't forget, we've got uh, Sam Amick coming up top of the 5 o'clock hour. We've got the Not Sports Report at 4.50. But right now, let's jump out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Of course, you hear them from 6 to 10 each and every morning alongside David James. He's the one, the only, Patrick Kinahan. What's happening, PK? How are you? Oh, I'm just over here crying a little bit, but I'll get over it. <laughs> Getting a little emotional. Yeah. Shedding a tear. You know, things happen in life. Uh, give us your uh, your thoughts on uh, this afternoon's game, PK. Certainly a special performance from Donovan with 57 points, but it's also tough to take a 10-point loss in a one-game-to-none uh, deficit in the series. Oh, for sure, yeah. They weren't going to probably win this series. I can't say for sure that they weren't going to win it, but without two starters, although Denver's without two starters, I think that 
Obviously, the starters for Utah are a little more important than the starters that the uh, Nuggets are missing. Uh, I always felt all along, win or lose, this was Donovan Mitchell's coming out party. He wants to be a social activist. Well, in order to have your voice be heard, you have to be a really good player because nobody cares what Emmanuel Moutier has to say on these social issues. And so it's now time, as Joe Ingles said on our show, to put up or shut up. And he put up. You know, uh, PK, I don't think necessarily that that's his main motivation, but uh, there's no doubt that he's he's an ambitious player. I'll put it that way. Yeah, he was sensational. Uh, I thought he should have shot every time. I'm furious that Royce O'Neal took that shot there <laughs> at the end. There was, there was no reason for it. You saw Jamal Murray and Jokic doing the shooting for uh, Denver. I think one other guy took a shot right at the end, and, of course, he missed it. So there was it was a marvelous game. It's very difficult to criticize, but I can three things really got under my skin. What were they? Number one, David James. <laughs> Twenty five hundred things got under my skin. Number yeah, DJ's everything. Now I already mentioned that Royce O'Neal shot. I don't care that he was open. There's a reason why he was open. I'd leave him open. If I'm Denver, I leave him open every single time in that situation. If he hits it, more power to you. But the odds are very, very strong. He's not going to hit it. That bothered me. Uh, the eight-second call, the Jazz, what, like every NBA team, they employ, what, 15 assistants? Did anybody jump up and say anything? One guy, the head coach, all those assistants? Did I, and I understand there was a shot clock or whatever, but somebody's got to say something. You know, I don't know that it's on the player. Somebody's got to be aware of it on the bench. You got all those guys on the bench. Some you were up by four at that point. And I don't know what would have happened. You can't play revisionist history. I hate when people do that. Oh, if they would have made this, this would have happened, and blah blah blah. You don't know what would happen. But I think that all those guys sitting there on the sidelines now, uh, somebody keep track of that. Tell them to scoot up a little faster. Who knows? They could have turned it over, and so it wouldn't have made a look of a difference. But that bothered me. And then I really didn't like Joe Ingles trying to guard Jamal Murray at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that, PK? Actually, I, I thought the exact same thing. Is that, you know, Royce O'Neal wasn't exactly effective either, and he had five fouls. And so I understand maybe putting somebody else on Jamal Murray, but I don't know. Joe, I, I've, I've said, I said this earlier. Joe is a good defender. Some people think Joe is a bad defender. That is not the case. He is a good defender. He's not a great defender. And Jamal Murray is better at offense than Joe is at defense. I just don't know. I, I get switching Royce off him, but is there a better candidate than Joe? And, and I think that's debatable. Well, give it a shot then. If there's a better candidate and you think it's debatable, give it a shot. Well, that's I know what I'm this asking. Work. You, would it would it have been Donovan maybe, or what? What would have been a better option? I guess that's what I'm I'm asking you. Well, I, why is Royce O'Neal on the team <laughs> to guard the other team's best player? So there, to me, if he fouls out, he fouls out, and then you make the change. And, and Joe did as best as he could. I mean, he's playing 43 minutes. It did seem like fatigue set in a little bit, maybe. And Jamal Murray is way, way younger. And he had it going on, too. And I don't think it was Joe's fault that he had it going on. He just had it going on because he's really good. Those are the two stars on that team. And they both had it going on. With that in mind, you know, if I'm the Jazz, I feel pretty good about the situation because I don't think that sometimes in the playoffs you get, oh, this was your one chance to steal one. Well, A, you don't have to worry about stealing anything on the road because there is no such thing as the road games this this year, obviously. So that's out the window. And B, 
The Nuggets, uh, 53.7% from three, yeah. 22 of 41, and they needed overtime. And so what are the chances of them doing that again? You know, If they do that again, they're going to win again. But, you know, if, I guess you can argue, well, what's the chances of Donovan going for 57? Exactly. Uh, but, uh, you know, Rudy can hit some more free throws. Uh, Clarkson was two of nine from three. Niang was one of four. All three came, I think, on one possession. Uh, he, he fired up three from the corner. So Tony Bradley missed a couple of buckets right at the basket. It's one of these games that you can go back and forth, and that's what makes sports so beautiful, and particularly basketball, because you can go back and forth. Well, you know, I can counter, and then you can counter this, and we can counter. We can we can argue till we're blue in the face, right? That's what's the fun part of it. The Jazz quartered themselves well. They're underdogs in this series. To me, the bigger issue is the emergence of Donovan Mitchell. I keep hearing, oh, is he another Dwayne Wade? Is he another Dame Lillard? Forget that. He's the next Donovan Mitchell, and that certainly looks plenty, plenty good enough. So if you're looking at the way this series is going to play out, uh, the Jazz have to find something to slow down Jamal Murray. He's a guy he knows, regardless of what's happened earlier in the game, that when the game is on the line, they can give the ball to him, and he's got an advantage over anybody the Jazz put on him. Royce O'Neal gets a lot of credit for being this and that on defense. I don't think he's that great. A lot of people think he's better than I do in that regard. But he couldn't guard him either. Is there anybody, any of those young guys, PK, that you think might have a chance in being able to slow him down? Or do you think because they're young, then they're going to get called for fouls left and right and it won't matter? Yeah, it could be. I mean, Murray's young, too, as we said. How old is he, like 22, 23? Yeah, 23 yeah. He's a Kentucky guy, man. I love Kentucky guys. Calipari has an eye for talent. That's you always love Trey Lyles. You did. Except for Trey Lyles. <laughs> well, the, the Kentucky guy that I wanted to take was Devin Booker. Yeah, <laughs> because it went Trey Lyles and then Devin Booker in the draft. Uh, but I think you just got to make it tough on him, man. If he hits the shots, you, you tip your cap to him. Just try to try to make him work, and then – and then he's guarding Joe at the end, and the problem was he was expending no energy defensively because all the energy was Donovan Mitchell. And so Joe was, at the end there, was contributing about as much as I was. Uh, so Do- Murray had not, had to worry about no expend, spending no energy on offense. I mean, excuse me, on defense. That maybe he would take a little bit out of his offense. But here's the thing about that. These two teams are obviously – close they're evenly matched their games come Uh down to the last minute but if one of the teams knows that they can just they have an advantage they can give the ball to this guy no matter how hard fought the entire game is you're down to overtime you're down to a two-point game or something just give it to that guy it's too easy pk okay can't you say that about mitchell though give it to Uh, that guy i don't know all i know is it's happened and it's happened more than once where they've just Jamal Murray is taking over the game at the end. I think that the situation of Jokic and Murray offensively is better than any two guys that the Jazz have right now because your second leading scorer is gone and probably would be in the playoff. Your third leading scorer would move up to your second leading scorer most likely, and he's out for the time being. So that gives the Nuggets just a slight edge, and and that's what they had there. Uh, I don't I don't I don't look at Murray 
it doesn't make any sense. I know what I'm about to say, but I don't look at look at Adam as taking over because I still think the defense is keyed off Jokic, whereas Mitchell, the defense is keyed off of Mitchell. So I think if I'm choosing between Jokic and Murray, I'm choosing Jokic every time, and Murray can slide in there and have this massive game, which he did to his credit. But I wonder, is he going to be the guy? Is he the go-to guy? All the time in the clutch. Because, and not that, that you put a ton of stock in that game the other day uh, where they went in double, double overtime, but it was more Jokic. So, Murray beat you today. You tip your cap. See if he can do it. That's what I'm saying. I feel a, a greater sense of encouragement going into game two than I did going into game one. Here's I think, the thing about that, PK. I think I, I feel, if you're looking at it from a Jazz perspective, I would feel better about Gobert guarding Jokic than anyone the Jazz have guarding Jamal Murray. Yeah, if it's a one-on-one matchup, sure. But, you know, the screening and the ability to pass the ball, those other things factor into it also, too. Because if that's the case, Gordon, then just go double Jamal Murray. And then, then you, you take the ball out of his hands. Go trap him. Just send send Joe or somebody else, send Royce and Joe they both got decent size. Just send him as soon as he comes across half court and touches the ball. Just send somebody else at him, and you get the ball out of his hands. Well, then you get the ball, and Jokic is in in a uh, advantage. What's the word I'm looking for? And not advantageable isn't a word. It should be, but uh, you have the advantages with Jokic having the ball, and the Jazz are down a man, so to speak. I think they carve you up there too. No, see, I think you make a really important point, PK. I, I do. I think you're right on the money. The, the, the offense for Denver still runs through Jokic. I mean, Murray might be going nuts, but it still keys off him, and he's so good at being a decision maker and knowing what to do. And even when he runs the pick and roll with Murray, he gets out of the way. I mean, he's a pick-and-pop type dude, so it gives Murray the yeah. advantage going against whoever he's going against. Donovan, especially tonight, and I think this underlines the importance of Mike Conley, Donovan was was creating for himself. He had himself to rely on, and that's it. And I, I unlike you, don't hate that he passed to Royce O'Neal, but there he goes relying on somebody, and that somebody didn't step up. So when if if Donovan would have the luxury of, of – issuing some of that responsibility to Mike Conley and having kind of a, a partner going down the stretch, I think that's actually a really big deal because you're right on the money. If you are if you focus on Jamal Murray and run another player, player at him to get the ball out of his hands, Jokic is going to kill him because he, if he doesn't make the shot himself, he's going to find the open guy 10 out of 10 times. So I, I think you make an important point. Donovan needs help down the stretch with another creator, somebody that can create shots and help him either Mike creates it for himself or creates it for Donovan. That's the luxury that Jamal Murray has 100%. Jokic is still the guy. Even when he's not putting the ball in the hoop, he's making it easier for Jamal Murray to dominate. Yeah, I don't have any problem with him passing the ball to O'Neal. I just had a problem with O'Neal shooting it. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Because <laughs> you should have passed it back, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> give, it give it back it and Joe. go set a pick. Yeah, yeah. Because Joe can obviously Joe could initiate an offense, but and it's really really hard for me to come down on Donovan Mitchell. Uh, no, he just needed help. This, he, he, yeah. Murray had help from Jokic. Whether or not Jokic was scoring, he had help by by attracting the attention from the Utah Jazz because right. you can't leave him because he's so you good. Know. This discussion that you guys are having right here is what makes Jokic so very valuable. I mean, when you have a big man 
who can who can bump down low or can make the shot from out beyond the arc or can pass like he can. It makes yeah. it so difficult. Yeah, I, I put a thing on Twitter the other day because I like to – I don't get political uh, on any of this stuff. You all can think what you want. I don't care. It's all about the individual. If you want to solve the world's problems, it comes down to you uh, individually, chew it at one at a time. But my Twitter is to design to and draw sports emotions. And I said Jokic is the best passing big man since Bill Walton. And Bill Walton his heyday, which was way back when, when he was with Portland before his body totally gave out on him was just an unbelievable passer, and that's what Jokic is. And plus, he's got the shot like Dirk Nowitzki where he's leaning off one foot, and some of the crap that looks like crap that he puts up and it goes in, it's really not crap. This guy is a marvelously talented guy, and he's only 25 years old. So I think from the Jazz perspective, though, this is the emergence into all-star to superstardom with Donovan Mitchell. And you need superstardom to get where you want to go. Every team that's ever won a title, right, unless I'm missing somebody, has had superstars. Maybe Detroit that one year when the Lakers were at their worst dysfunction and uh, Malone got hurt and all that stuff. Other than that, man, you need that superstar. And I think we're seeing Donovan go from all-star, which is pretty good, to elite-level superstar capable of challenging anybody at his position. And that's an exciting thing. PK, thanks for jumping on with us. Uh, we always appreciate it. I uh, wanted to get your thoughts on what you saw today, and I'm sure you'll get into de- uh, even further depth with David James tomorrow morning. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to sleep. This loss got me so bugged. I'm going to be tossing and turning. So any, either of you guys, if you want to talk around 2, 3, 4 a.m., just give me a buzz. I'll give you a holler. Yeah, I'm sure we'll, okay. all, be, we'll all be awake. Wait, wait no, 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 wait. No, PK, are you sure you're going to be all right? Sure? Well, what I'm going to do right now, is I'm going to go mow the lawn and and uh, and and probably sweat off about ten pounds. I was going to so, say, yeah. So I got my mind uh, uh, off of that. Uh, but yeah, everybody knows. I I don't. I've never lived and died by the results of games. I live by them, but I don't die by them. So to me, it's entertainment. And this was an entertaining game. I got my money's worth. Obviously, I'd prefer the Jazz to win. It's good for our business to have them win. I don't have any problems saying that. And see what they do uh, Tuesday, or well, I guess it's Wednesday afternoon. Lots of fluids, PK. Lots of fluids. It's hot out there. What kind of fluids? Now I got Gordon has one type of fluids, and I got Jake has another type of fluids. <laughs> I would probably go straight water. Wow. You know, but all I gotta I, say is about time, Jake. I would say you know Gatorade, <laughs> uh, a lot of sugar in there. And, uh, yeah, straight water, PK, fluids. What are you doing, Gordon? You know, back, back in the day, PK, if you brought up the word water to Jake, he would run the other direction, right? <laughs> I, I consume you water kid, now. You kid, you grow older. Wow, all your priorities change. And Jake Scott has turned into another Mike Conley. Who knew? I, I tell you. Hey, you know, I, PK, I know that you're a big Coke Zero guy. Yes, uh, yes. And, and, and I have in the past favored Diet Coke. But I'm telling you, if you add a little lemon into that Coke Zero, man, that, that's yes. some pretty good stuff. I think it is, yeah. I don't have it just uh, all standalone. It's just water standalone. i got to have a certain type of food and uh, what I call pleasure food. And absolutely, absolutely love it. Thank you, PK. Appreciate you. All right. See you guys. 
with our friend Patrick Kinahan, 6 to 10, catch me each and every morning. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. We'll get to more coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Five and twelve eighty. The Zone Band of the Day today is the Toasters, selected by our friend Alex, and brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at LiveNation.com. Alex uh, stepping in for Austin Horton today, uh, as Austin was doing the jazz broadcast, and now Alex is uh, taking over. Alex actually kind of in the process of uh, taking over as a producer for Utah Jazz Radio. How's it going so far, Alex? You doing all right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm picking it up, I think. Are you? Have you been any conflict with David? Has he yelled at you too much yet? <laughs> Not yet. Not yet? Okay. Oh, right. it, will, it will come. You hang in there, you know. No, I'm uh, uh, I'm just joking. Locke is very producer-friendly. Fr- uh, Although it is, uh, I, I will give you this compliment, Alex Austin, too, and uh, all the, the great producers that have come before. It is one of the most involved, if not the most involved, from a producer standpoint, broadca- broadcast in the NBA. David has a lot of great features and a lot of moving parts, so it's, it's not an easy broadcast to produce, so I, I give you guys a lot of credit. Then you add that complicated board to the mix, and uh, it's like flying a starship enterprise. And the high maintenance play-by-play guy. I mean, you have the hardest job in the at the station. Now uh, you 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 laid a dig there at David, and then you took it back, and then you laid. It back I know again. because he knows I'm kidding. They they uh, they do a, a remarkable job, and, uh, and big ups to Alex for for stepping in and making that happen. So and uh, Austin too, for that matter, as he's been uh, helping as we kind of. Uh, I, I guess uh, blazed a trail with this broadcast in such a unique situation. Uh, give everybody involved a lot of credit because it certainly yeah. is not easy. And uh, right now, Gordon, the Jazz are down one game to none in uh, this series. And, you know, we didn't really get a chance. And I know you and I both are not all that wild about prognostication necessarily. But give, it, give me your overall thoughts right now that we have one game in the books on, on kind of the Jazz chances in this series. Well, Okay. I think that the Nuggets are better than the Jazz, as presently constituted. Uh, I, I think it's difficult for the Jazz to beat this team. It's deeper than they are. They have certain approaches to the game that are difficult, as we've been discussing. Uh, Jokic is fantastic. Jamal Murray, nobody on the Jazz can guard him. And it's tough from that standpoint. Uh, when you take Mike Conley out of the equation and you're already missing Bogdanovich, that is a, a steep, steep climb. Now, if you're a Nuggets fan, you're saying, wait a minute, the Nuggets are missing a couple of players too, and that is true. I don't think the difference between the teams is anything beyond slight. And so that's what makes these games so much fun to watch. Uh, it's just that as Quinn Snyder was asked after the game by multiple reporters, how can the Jazz find a way even though they play tough throughout the game and they're there at the end, how can they find a way to win the game? And that seems to be a bit of a missing piece for this team right now against this particular opponent. Well, I think the answer to that is actually what we saw. I think the answer to that is Donovan Mitchell. He just needs a little more help in a variety of different ways. You know, the, the Royce O'Neal shot uh, obviously really stands out. You know, Royce needed to knock that down. Uh, but uh, I think it's more on the defensive end. You know, it, if Donovan trades shots with the Nuggets, I mean, he's going to do fine, which he did tonight. This game went to overtime, but eventually they're going to have to get some stops. Yeah. 
And yeah. so he needs – and Donovan himself said that in the postgame comments. I don't know if you heard that, Gordon, but he was like, yeah, it gets a little frustrating when we're taking the ball out of the net every possession. Right. And it amps up that, that pressure that you have to make – you know, you have to make a big shot each time down the floor because your chances of getting stops on the other side is not significant. And this is where the one-two game of Jamal Murray and, and Nikola Jokic comes in because that's what they're going to. And Jokic is so good at making the right decision, and Jamal Murray is so good in the one-on-one game, it makes it really difficult to stop. They're going to have to find a way, whether it's team defense or somebody specifically that can slow down those two. And I, what PK said was interesting about moving Joe Ingles over onto Jamal Murray. I, I get that he didn't like that, but what else are you going to do? And, and I guess you play Royce on him until he fouls out, but Royce wasn't exactly effective uh, uh, on no. on Murray down the stretch no, in the wasn't. fourth quarter. And That's I think Royce can be better, but, I mean, where he got twisted up on that crossover and Murray made that three, that can't happen. Yeah. I mean, it, it can't. And he was trying to scre- cheat on the pick and roll, which is where Jokic and his brilliance comes in, is because Royce was trying to get over that screen, and he he cheated a little bit, and he paid the price for it, and I feel bad, but he can't do that. And he's got to be the answer on Murray because it's not Ingles. And I don't know. I don't think Gordon, one of the young guys, is an option in the fourth quarter. Bring in, I, don't, I just don't. I don't think you can bring Mieoni in, in no. the – final two minutes of a playoff game and say, go stop Jamal Murray. I don't think it's going to go well. So what are you going to do? And they, they thought Joe Ingles was the best option today. It didn't go well. So what's the best option on Wednesday? They got to figure that out. They got to get stops. It won't go well. Because Joe, I don't believe could stay with it. Well, I don't think they'll go back to Joe. I, I think they'll go back to Royce, but when Royce is off the floor or if he fouls out or, or frankly, he's not having a good day, where do you go next? And and I don't know. I think it my my opinion should be Donovan Mitchell, but Donovan's you know expending a lot of energy on the offensive side. So this is where when you're missing Bogdanovich, this is what hurts you in this respect. If the Jazz had known they needed to develop one of those young guys into a defensive stopper, and not worry so much about going four on five at the other end of the floor. They might have been able to do that. Uh, they didn't. And now that they don't have Bogdanovich, now they don't have that kind of uh, dual, uh, double-barreled scoring threat, especially without Mike Conley on the floor, that, that the Nuggets have. And so you, it's more difficult to make that kind of sacrifice at the defensive end, even though they don't have that guy anyway. Uh, but but I don't know what they're going to do. Well, I, I would double Jamal Murray. I I know that Jokic is awfully tough to stop, but I I would I would keep Gobert on Jokic, and then I would try to get the ball out of Jamal Murray's hands because he's. He's too difficult for the Jazz, and I think he can hurt them and go on hurting them through this series because they don't have any one individual who can get that job done. Yeah, and do you, do you, I, oh, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. no, no. I get the point you're making about Bogdanovich, but I don't know. I don't know if he would help much in this situation. Maybe he makes your bench longer, like you say, and you could afford to play a younger player. But I don't. That's what I meant. No, that, no, no. I, I, I'm. I'm digesting what you said. I, I, I certainly I certainly heard, but I still don't know, even with Bogdanovich, if Quinn's going with Mieoni down the stretch. Yeah. I, I don't know. Had, but if you had done that earlier in the season, maybe you'd feel a little more comfortable with it now. Now, maybe he's not capable of doing it, but there are two things at play here. Is he capable of doing it, and could he do it in a tough, pressurized playoff setting, like in overtime? 
you know, I don't. That's an awful lot to ask. But if he had, if if the Jazz don't have that guy now, then they better draft one because this is too big of a liability for them. And I, it must be a liability for a lot of teams because I mean Jamal Murray's pretty darn good, but he makes it look easy against the Jazz. But he is. At this juncture, anyway, it is it, it is tough because how many players, how many players out there, Gordon, are true two way players? Very few. Yeah. So this discussion where you say, "Oh, go go draft a guy who's locked down on defense and uh, who's going to go win a game for you on offense," I mean, it just it, there there just aren't that many out there, unfortunately. Can you get a lockdown defender. Yeah, but I mean, it like uh like like Tory Craig for example is a is a lockdown defender and he's fairly serviceable on on offense but how many players like that are in the league I mean what Roberson in in Oklahoma City or Robertson excuse me not Roberson Robertson in Oklahoma City and his offense actually stinks but is just good enough that he's not a complete liability but how many players like that are there Yeah good question I mean, there's not uh, many. I mean, we we probably could really brainstorm and come up with what, like a dozen. Yeah, it's just really, are. really hard to find. And and Robertson is barely good enough at offense to make it worth it. And, and so, in today's day and age, if you can't hit an open corner three, it doesn't matter how good you are at defense. Unfortunately. I mean, I guess everything we're saying could be applied to Donovan Mitchell as well, and what the Nuggets can say to each other. Right. Like how can how, how are we going to slow that guy down? And both Michael Porter Jr. and uh, who do we hear from, the other guy, Morris, both talked about that. They were both asked about st- stopping Donovan Mitchell in the postgame, and they both went, I don't know. <laughs> Basically, that was to sum up both their answers was like, I, well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes that, that's the answer. I mean, well, because Tory so, Craig is their answer, and by the fourth quarter, Donovan was lighting him on fire too. Yes, yeah, and which was remarkable. Right. I mean, it makes that's what Quinn was referring to in the post game that he was going up against guys who normally are pretty darn good in that regard. So I, I just think it's for the Jazz. It must be somewhat discouraging. Well, let me ask you the question: yeah. If you're uh, if you're on the Jazz and you have a guy going off like Donovan Mitchell at the offensive end. Just nobody can stop him. And he is making spectacular plays and scoring in spectacular ways. And then you go down the other end of the floor and you can't stop the opponent? Is that 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 that'll rip your guts out, won't yeah, it? That's tough. I mean what more some really? people some people think, oh well the spectacular play at the other end will lift everybody up and get them going and all that stuff. No, I think it might even be even more deflating. If uh, if you got a guy doing that and you're sitting there shaking your head at it, going, "Wow, did I just see that?" And then you d up and you can't stop the other guys, and they sort of carve you up, or they have a guy who's going to go through you. It's uh, it's Quinn Snyder's problem to try and figure out. So, what are you asking me now? Uh, well, what the question I was asking is whether it was more deflating. Oh, okay. To have a guy going off like Donovan Mitchell was, and then not be able to stop the guys at the other end. Oh, I see. You just you one. started that rant with, "Let me ask you," and then by the time you were done, I was like, "Wait a minute, what are you asking me?" I was following that really closely. I'm like, "Okay, well, I just don't okay, know. I don't, all right. I, Wait, I, what I, are you asking me?" I don't know whether it really is more deflating than it would be in a more routine play. Yeah, I'll but tell you what per- I do if I were Donovan in between games to get ready for Game Three. You ready for the answer? 
Okay. I pull Aaron Falk aside and I say, you call the snitch line on Jamal Murray right now. <laughs> you call that snitch line and you say he went out for chicken wings. And let's get him on the sidelines. Chicken wings. Yeah, but they're good ones. They are good ones. What do you think? I think best, it would work. Best chicken wings I've ever tasted. I, I don't know. I, I, somebody saw him go out for chicken wings. So automatic 14-day isolation. Tough luck, it's e- Jamal. It's it's either that or one of the guys that you have in in the bubble, you know, sneak on over to the, the wherever the Nuggets are staying. I think the Jazz are staying in close proximity, right? Just I think go over so. there with a hammer, and go after the big toe. Wow, that turned violent. I'm just saying, <laughs> make up some accusations to get him isolated. I didn't say assault the man. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> Mie Oni goes to prison for felonious assault in Orlando. Well, it probably would be the best thing he could do to help the Jazz win. Oh, hey! Coming up next, we've got the Not Sports Report. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time, as we do each and every Monday, to get a winner for the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. Correctly identify the Chevy Strong Play of the Game, announced by DJ and PK this morning at 8.50, and you'll win a zone prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. It is not sports report time. Brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online. LHMUsedCars.com. Sam Amick will join us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. But until then, Gordon, where are we going today? Uh, I don't know. We're, we're going into the labs across America. But I've got good news. Uh-oh. Jake. Okay. And we haven't had nearly enough good news in 2020 so far. But this is progress. This is potential progress that is encouraging, okay? Okay. Scientists, according to a report in the New York Times, scientists who have been monitoring immune responses to the coronavirus are now starting to see encouraging signs of strong-lasting immunity even in people who developed only mild symptoms of COVID-19. This is according to a bunch of studies that, are, that have been done and are being done. Apparently, disease-fighting antibodies, as well as immune cells called B and T cells, that are capable of recognizing the virus, appear, appear to persist months after the infections have resolved which is encouraging uh, the body's uh, enduring response to viruses is such. This is a quote from a doctor, an immunologist at the University of Arizona. Things are really working as they're supposed to. Researchers apparently cannot forecast how long these immune responses will last, Jake. Uh, Many experts consider the data a welcome indication that the body's most studious cells are doing their job and will have a good chance of fending off the virus faster and more fervently than before if exposed to it again. And Dr. Pepper at the University of Washington says, quote, this is exactly what we would hope for. 
Wait a minute. Where did you uh, say this was reported? The New York Times. And and the guy's name is Dr. Pepper. This is obviously <laughs> completely made up. Marion Pepper, who's an Im- <laughs> of all the things I just gave you that good news, and you come up with the Dr. Pepper line. <laughs> Combine Dr. Pepper with the New York Times, and that is complete fake news. <laughs> Not a chance a word of that is true. Marion Pepper, an immunologist at the University of Washington, who happens to also be an author on uh, a bunch of other new studies, which currently are under review. Uh, So Dr. Pepper's trying to sell books, too. Okay. Yeah, this is all very credible. Sure it is. Quote, all the pieces are there to have a totally protective immune response all you got to do is either listen to or drink dr pepper i'm not sure which did they finish it with you could be a pepper too (laughs) our new vaccine has 23 different ingredients (laughs) (laughs) this is just a grand marketing ploy for coca-cola they you bit gordon congratulations they draw you in with good news and really they're just trying to sell you soda no this is (laughs) This is straight out of the New York Times. Yeah, right. So I'm sure Coca-Cola legitimate. owns part of the paper. I got it. <laughs> I can't believe it. What? <laughs> what? That's what you picked what? up out of that? Dr. Pepper tells me everything's going to be fine in the New York Times. Did you expect me just to swallow it? Okay. <laughs> sure. <break> it down. <laughs> sure. Oh, man. What else is What else is Dr. Pepper telling me? That aspartame's good for me, too? Sure. I got it. <laughs> Well, I could have done the story about the guy who was riding on his motorcycle with a friend on the back, and he ran into a fire hydrant, and his fr- his friend went flying, and he just took off. Well, at least left, uh... at least that story is probably true. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk to our friend Sam Amick of the Athletic. I'm a pepper, you're a pepper. I'm not I'm not buying anything from Doctor Pepper. I had a dog named Pepper once. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone.